welcome back to the Oral Mess Podcast. My guest this week is David Dachin. Dave is an avid music fan, and we talk about Steely Dan, of course, playing saxophone in the high school band, and other music. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Oral Mess Podcast. I'm Chad, your host. This is our fourth episode, and I'm joined tonight by Dave Dachin. Dave, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Chad. Great. Well, great to have you on the show. Um, David and I met um, a couple of years ago, I think now on Twitter. Uh, we were both involved in some music challenges and, you know, sort of found a shared love for Steely Dan and tenor saxophone and all saxophones, I guess, um, you know, and just had like a really kind of crossover taste in music. So um, when I started up this thing and I was, you know, asking for people to come on and and hang out with me. Um, Dave raised his hand. So here we are. So why don't you tell us just a bit about yourself? Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, love, love music. Um, I think in the last, um, 10 or 20 years, I've even gotten into it more. Um, I played a little bit when I was younger. I think you did too. Um, so that, I think that's part of it. You get, you know, that kind of gets into your blood. Um, and then, you know, as I've gotten older, it's become a real, uh, advocation my dad who was really into music would always say music you know music's a great hobby but you don't want to make it your your livelihood um and i guess i took that you know to heart but at the same time as i've gotten older i've i really you know discovered uh deep love for a lot of different kind of music and, and getting more into the nuance and, and things like that so um i over this past summer uh summer of 23 i uh, worked with a, a partner to put together a a Sunday kind of listen thing where we would pick a different band every, every week. And, um, Steely was one of them obviously. And, and we then, you know, select some of the top songs and it was just so fun because we'd spend two or three hours every week, just going through the catalog of the different artists. And, and what I found from that is I'm finding out music that I didn't even know existed. And that's one of the great things about, you know, the community that we have and, and certainly you're part of that and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and, and you know, if we all share a little bit, we're we're all going to grow together. And that's that's what I what really is my passion. I love learning new stuff. Uh, so that's why I'm here. That's great, and I think we share that that passion because that's why I started the podcast. It was just you know sort of a creative outlet for me, but also the, the, to be able to share not so much my knowledge. I mean, you know, I don't know everything, and I'm always learning new things about music and, and discovering music I never knew before, never heard before, even from artists that I was relatively familiar with. Um, so it's just been great. And, and my goal is to just, you know, talk to some folks, see what they're into and, you know, share out some, some shared learning. So here we are. Love it. Cool. So why don't we jump into what I thought was an interesting topic? Um, you know, we had been emailing about things to talk about on the episode and, um, I liked what you sent me, which was maybe we could dig through our 2023 top artists and then our 2023 top songs via our respective Spotify wrapped. <laughs> so why don't you go first? Talk me through your top five artists and, you know, I will. And, and let me just tell you a quick backstory. Of this. Yeah. I've been on Spotify, maybe three, four years, something like that. And, uh, but what, what actually got me, I have a 26 year old and when she was in college, and by the way, she went to Madison, uh, when she was in college, she, she came up one, uh, one, semester and said dad guess what my number one song was for the year so i, I have no idea she said it was bill withers lovely day well oh wow a song that was like back in our era you know when i, sure. I always loved that song 
And so I said, well, how did you know that that was your number one song? She said, well, it's, it's on this thing called Spotify. It's, you got to show me this. And so I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. I, I was on Pandora, one of the other platforms before that. But just the fact that you got this uh, wrapped, I thought was such a cool thing. So uh, every year I look forward to it. And, and right around Thanksgiving, you know, you start, oh, wow, it's coming out soon. And you get excited. You, know? you start playing stuff that looks cool. <laughs> Try to game so, it. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. And, and I guess I wouldn't qualify for your podcast if Steely Dan wasn't on the uh, on the list. But, you know, here's the interesting thing. It wasn't number one, and and that you know what it surprises me, you know, but but uh, the number one uh, artist for me last year was Jamiroquai. I don't know if you're familiar sure, with them. Yeah. But, um, I really yeah, there's a whole backstory in how I found out about them, but uh, you know that's that's one of them. Uh, number two was Earth Wind and Fire. Uh, number three, Solid and number four, Swing Out Sister. Really. Uh, yeah, and then number five, Chicago. And so, uh, fortunately, this summer I'm going to—I've seen Earth, Wind, and Fire in Chicago separately, but I'm going to see them together uh, in uh, in July. And so, I'm really looking forward to that. So, oh, that sounds like a great show. Um, and like you said, two horn bands, right? Like, horn, what's better than a band with a horn section, right? As far as I'm concerned, right. yeah. Right. So, Swing yeah. Out Sister. Let's let's dig into that a minute because I'm only familiar with the one single they had out in the '80s. Was it Breakout? Beyond that, yep. I don't think I've ever heard another Swing Out Sister song. So, what should I be tuning into? Well, you know what? This, so, so anyway, um, one of the uh, one of the interesting stories that I think I'm just checking on this for a second. Um, but I don't actually think this is the case, but. One of the songs I really got into um, from them was was called "Not Gonna Change." It's all one word, "Not Gonna Change," uh, which was it goes back to the '80s. You know, that's when they were popular. But it was actually recorded um, about ten years ago, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, there was a, a huge volcanic eruption in Iceland, mm-hmm. and it it wrecked uh, air travel between Europe and the U.S. for at least a couple of weeks. I think maybe a right. month. I don't know. Um, they were supposed to come to the U.S. to tour, and they had put together this band, and they had you know rehearsed, and they were all set, you know, UK group and all this kind of stuff. And the day before they were going to get on the on the flight, the volcano erupted, so they couldn't. Oh. I had to cancel the tour and everything. Well, they instead of just sitting around on their hands, they went into the studio and they took their show and their then their group, right? Um, and and they they put together this album, um, uh, and so. Uh, that's one of the, um, it's called Private Dreams, and, and that's one of the uh, things that I started listening to. But then there was another whole, there was another whole um, album that, you know, is on Spotify, and I don't know why, um, and I I couldn't find it on Apple Music either. Uh, so I kind of unearthed um, some of their material, and um, I think it was when we were uh, preparing for the, the summer uh, what we call summer soundscapes, and I was doing a little research, and I guess on YouTube it popped up. Uh, the the album's uh, called uh, "Get in Touch with Yourself," hmm. and there's a couple of tracks on there that I had never heard, and just so I think that's one of the reasons why they popped up, simply because I was you know started listening to them, um, it, you know, from that from that perspective. So some very interesting stuff, um, and you know, and and, and I like that a whole lot. By the way, one other tie-in with Steely Dan is um, I, I love this idea. You know, the, they were a real 
studio band. Sweet that sister, this is and Steely Dan, and you know, in studio bands, they can do a lot of things that you're not going to do on a stage in front of a, a live audience. They can have all the overdubs and all that kind of stuff. And and I'm quite certain that uh, Corinne Drury, who's the lead singer, did most of the different harmony parts. Right, so she'd harmonize oh. with herself. Um, but uh, so when they put together this band and this album, they had to get you know, a backing singer that would kind of match with her voice and, and be able to do the harmony. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like Steely Dan, you know, they, they end up creating a whole band you know, with backup singers and, and, and horns and, and other kind of instruments that they probably wouldn't otherwise use. Uh, so there is that kind of interesting correlation. And I've always found that, you know, that's kind of interesting. It's not just the fact that it's live, but, it, but, but the fact that they've had to create something, for a live audience, sure, you know that they that they that they can't just you know rely on the the studio stuff and the technology to do so. Um, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, that's very neat. And I think there's a lot of bands out there that that have to sort of struggle to rearrange stuff when they decide to take an album out or certain songs to play live. And there's certain songs that they just can't do because they're just too too complex, right? So yeah, that's great. I'm gonna have to check them out. All right, so drum roll, please. Chad's twenty twenty three top artists. And any guesses? Any wagers on number one? I don't know. Maybe it's uh... a. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do shirt reveal. So I'm wearing today, which I wore a few weeks ago on another podcast. Uh, Becker oh, faded and yeah, pants. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've got. I don't know if I can, if I can do this. And the risk of. I've got nineties and roll your. See, you're my hero, Chad, because I, you know, most people that know me are shocked that Steel Lady Ann wasn't my number one. You know, my daughter was like, oh, yeah, it's Steely. You know, I, just, <laughs> what? I think Steely Dan's been my number one. This is the third year running. And the only reason why they weren't before that is because I think I was just still getting my head around Spotify and, sure. you know, listening to so much other stuff. And I just wasn't listening to them on Spotify as much. It was more like in the car on, you know, other, other formats, but all right, let's continue my top five. Number two, uh, once again, no surprise, Donald Fagan, um, got heavily into his solo stuff, you know, the last few years. Sure. Uh, number three is a band called marvelous three. I don't know if you're familiar, um, alternative band from the mid to late nineties. Um, they sort of came out of the ashes of a couple of other metal bands actually, um, you know, from the late eighties, but the, the lead singer, guitar player, songwriter, producer, his name is Butch Walker. And he's gone on to like this amazing career in music. You know, he's, he's written and produced like Avril Lavigne, um, SR 71, bunch of other bands and albums that you've probably heard and he's had a bunch of solo stuff out too but marvelous three was just this trio um you know bass guitar drums and one of my favorite albums of all time um so i think what sort of rocketed them into the number three slot this year was that they released a new album after a 20 something year hiatus wow um so i think i was just playing that on repeat for weeks <laughs> you know? so it kind of messed with the algorithm a little bit it pushed them up a little high I mean, yeah, I thought I was dealing with it, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no. Apparently, we're not. We're not the only ones. Uh, let's see. Number four, Buffalo Tom. Um, one of my favorite bands of all time, so that makes sense. I still listen to them frequently, and you know, I, I keep plugging them on my other episodes, but I'll say it again. They have a new album coming out after, I think the last one was 2016 or 2017, so I'm very excited about that. And number five was Fountains of Wayne. Um, oh, yeah. 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 
always love them. Um, you know, they, they kind of tick all the boxes for me. I love catchy. I love a good hook. I love literate songwriting and lyrics and, you know, mm -hmm. nice chord changes and bridges and song structures. And boy, do they deliver on all of those. Yeah. So that's cool. So I'm, so I'm just making another video. Marvelous three and Buffalo Tom. Yeah. Check them out for sure. I will. That's what I love about this stuff is just, you know, it's just getting introduced to, to new artists and new music and it's amazing. Yeah, me too. And that's why I'm loving doing the podcast so far. <laughs> All right. So, so what is your number one Steely Dan song then? So yeah, let's do, I guess I'll do my top songs and then hand it back to you for yours, but... <laughs> All five of my top songs on Spotify were all Steely Dan. Well, uh, yeah, number one, Green Earrings. Number two, oh. Sign and Stranger. Oh, love it. Uh, yeah, I was listening to Royal Scam a lot last mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. um, it just never sort of left the rotation. Uh, number three, Gaucho. Um, still sort of obsessed with, with that album. Number love four, that. Peg. I'm not sure why, but um, the, the, the sort of left field song for me was number five was the Boston Rag. Okay. I don't remember intentionally playing that song so much, but I, I went and dug into the actual numbers and it was it was pretty far ahead of like the number six and seven. So I must I must have. And I love it. Like I'm not, you know, saying it shouldn't right. be there, but it's just I right. found it to be odd, you know. It was just a little weird that it wasn't that it was there and, and other songs weren't, but you know, that's great. So what were your uh, top five? That's interesting. Um a sign I thought they played Sign and Stranger the other night, but um but, you know, Green Earrings is one that every time I go to see them in concert, I'm like, please play Green Earrings. You know, it's that that's one that and it's not always in the rotation, you know. Yeah. But that's just one that's such a great uh, song live. It's up tempo and everything. And, and 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 I just I just love that one. So, yeah. And and like you said, you know, the whole Royal Scam album is terrific. And um Maybe my second favorite, although like you said, Gaucho is is just awesome and, and there's a lot there's a lot to, to tuck into on there. But um yeah, so in terms of the five, um well the the Steel and Air one for me was Black Owl, which is again not a surprise. That's you know, people would probably guess that one. The number one song was a shock to me. So I mentioned Earth Wind and Fire was in the mix and there's so many great Earth Wind and Fire songs. Well, Serpentine Fire was my number one. Oh wow, that was the head scratcher because I like it, but I wouldn't put it in my top. I wouldn't say it's my top five songs that I'd have to hear. You know, from uh, from Earth Wind and Fire. Um, number four was a um, a Jamiroquai song called "Don't Give Hate a Chance," huh. uh, and that one is amazing. I'd love to do an entire podcast episode on that because it has some very interesting musical elements to it but uh, but anyway so that was the thought number four the number two song wasn't even represented on the uh, uh list of artists but it's called the grid generation by a guitar player by the name of Corey wong and Corey wong was actually introduced to me by my daughter um and grid generation i think i'm not sure if this was a 22 or a 23 i think it was a 23 release so that might explain why i played it a lot but um but anyway you know it's so interesting to me that he or she was listening to bill withers you know um in college and now i'm listening to some of her stuff not all of it <laughs> but but some of it you know 
same so, same with my daughter <clears throat> yeah the last one uh is a real interesting one it again a 2023 20, uh, release and it was called uh, moonshine by a group called young gun silver fox hmm. now young gun silver fox is a group i would have never ever heard of uh but for uh our buddy on twitter the the yacht eddie the the yacht show guy mm-hmm. uh and and he did a he has a podcast and on one of his episodes he profiled them and i'm like oh i gotta listen to this stuff so i was listening and then spotify pulled up about it just about a year ago and they said hey there's new music from young gun silver Fox. so i listened to it here's what i didn't realize that song was actually written uh, or at least partially written uh by uh a a, a an absolute icon in the music industry who's since passed. His name's Rod Temperton. And Rod Temperton is a guy that was back in the 60s and 70s played in a band called Heatwave. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. His re- And he was like the keyboard guy and he wrote most of the songs. Okay. Uh, but but Rod Temperton, here's a, another podcast episode, right? Rod Temperton wrote some of the most iconic music ever, and most people don't even know who he is or was. Mm. He wrote three songs on both Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and on Thriller, including the title tracks. Oh, wow. So this is a guy that's got serious chops. Well, he was kind of retired from all this stuff, and the guys from Young Guns Over Fox kind of you know were working with him, and they kind of etched out the, um, the basis of it that, uh, probably about 10 years ago. Rod passed away, I think, about... About 2015, I think, um, and so, but it, they did, they didn't even finish the song until you know just the last year. But so that was one that uh, you know that that kind of grabbed my attention. So uh, uh, fun fun story about that. Yeah, I need to dig into more of his work. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with it by proxy with Michael Jackson, and um, I mean Heatwave. You know, who doesn't love Heatwave? I think I danced to Always and Forever at my prom. <laughs> Everybody did back then, right? That was the big slow hands, I know. Um, and the groove to you know, the groove line the and blind, yeah. There's all that other stuff. And Boogie Nights. Yeah. Boogie Nights is like I I can sing that song in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And I I did a I did a thing, we did a, a little thing for his birthday, um, where we were kind of profiling uh some of the different music and, and again I found I found uh, artists and songs that he that he uh, wrote that um, you know that that I had no idea, but he did he did a, a, a like just some amazing um, he did um, uh, "Give Me the Night" with George Benson. Oh wow! Uh, I love that did, song. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Um, oh, he did. I think he did uh, "Love Is in Control" by Donna Summer. Mm-hmm. Right. He did Spice of Life, Manhattan Transfer. These are all, he did Sweet Freedom with Michael McDonald. Um, he did, uh, I, I, I'm almost certain he did one with Shaka Khan. I'm trying to c- come up with it. Uh, but, you, you know, it's it's just amazing all the different, um, uh, you know, songs that he did. And uh, again, that's that's a that's a topic for another day. But, uh, you know, that that's... That's what I get interested in. You know, you you, you you start you say Rod Temperton, and most people give you a blank stare, and then you start naming right. off the songs. They're like, "Oh yeah, I know that song." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love chasing stuff down like that, and and you know, figuring out who did what, and and um, I'm I'm real big into behind the scenes, obviously with with music. So you know, who who played on certain albums, and you know, who wrote things and produced things. So it's 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 very cool. 
So let's talk a bit about saxophone. I think that was another hot topic. Um, so tell me about your playing and, you know, experience, you know, with, was it as a kid? Was it as an adult? Did you play in a band? Give, give me all the, the details. Yeah, I, um, well, the, you know, the, the, the funny story or ironic, whatever, uh, I'd one to me is, um, like I said, my dad was a big influence for me. Um, he was actually a drummer at one point and then mom kind of made him put away the drums. You know? <laughs> and so he took a keyboard and I, I think almost every night as a kid, I remember him playing, um, something, uh, either on piano or, or he had an organ, uh, Hammond organ and, and whatever, and he was really big into some of the Latin music, uh, bossa nova stuff, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So I didn't listen to a lot of kind of, you know, quote unquote popular music at home, mostly listening to kind of, kind of stuff he would play. But when I got to be, I guess it was uh, 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 junior high, you know, when they started instrumental music, he, he basically grabbed my hand and said, we're going to get an instrument you know, for you. So we're going to go to the music store. We're going to get an instrument. We can go play an instrument. I, I you know, think in piano lessons like most kids do and all. Sure. Things. And I didn't really like it, but, you know, I, I did it. Yeah, see you there. Um, <laughs> well, so anyway, so we happen to know the band director at my school. He was a, a, fam, a family friend. He said, you know, go into Mr. Mills and find out what he needs because if he, if he play an instrument that they need the band, you're going to have a, a you know better chance of, of playing early so i went in and and uh you know band director was real cool and he was like yeah we need trombones right so i'm like okay that's great wrote it down trombone yeah so saturday morning we go off to the music store and they had a little practice room and the guy would bring in different instruments they could try it out see if you'll like them or not so he said trombone let's pick that the trombone so he pulls it out and i can't make a sound out of the darn thing yeah it just it's just <laughs> it's hard yeah, and so the the uh, the music guy, the music store guy, said, you know, maybe you want to try a sax. So I said, well, you know, bring one out. So he he brought out a sax, and and I could hump, blow into it and honk, and I could press the keys, right, and make noise. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. <laughs> so so I go in the next day, you know, and on Monday morning, I go, I did all proud, excited. Yeah, hey, Mr. Mills, I got a sax. And he's like, baseball, but you know, he's like, I got more saxes than I know what to do with. <laughs> so the first year I didn't really get a chance to play and I had to kind of be just like in a group lesson or something like that. But I took some private lessons and I, you know, and I worked my way through it. And then once I got to, I guess it was eighth grade or whatever, I was able to, you know, to, to play. And after about a year or so playing alto, I switched to tenor because I just thought that was cooler and I liked it. And, you know, uh, back then we were playing some of the music in Chicago and some of the other, you know, uh, bands and uh, and and you know it was the kind of stuff that you know tenor you could play in it in anything you wanted you know and so I I really got in, into it at that point and um I used to play a lot in the jazz band and in fact when I got in high school um they had they had you know like a <laughs> So I'm in a, in a small state. You have to consider this. I'm in a small state, but um, but they had an all state band, and I had no shot at that. But but they had an all state jazz band. I said, you know what? I'm going to try. It. And I'm going to see. There's nothing you know. Can't can't go wrong for try it. I practiced my butt off for months to get to the point where I felt I was going to be capable of auditioning. And sure enough, I got to make the all state band, and oh, wow. I was the first kid from my school to do that. Um, they had some other schools that had really deep jazz programs and, and they were churning out these really good players left and right. And so it was pretty, you know, pretty cool for me to, to be the first guy to do that. I actually did it for two years, two straight years. 
Um, so that was pretty cool. I, like I said, I, I, I not, knew I wasn't going to make music my, uh, my vocation, but I really had a lot of fun with it, you know, and, sure. and we got to do some pretty cool stuff and, and got to go, you know, take trips and play in different, uh, organizations, different combos and stuff like that. And got exposed to some really neat things. One of the coolest things was they had a program where, uh, over the summer where you could, um, you could play and, and generally the kids that were in that were pretty good players and then they'd actually been bring in professional guys. I mean, professional players that would come in and kind of tutor you. Hmm. Um, and then one day we actually got a, a chance to take a crack at uh, doing some arranging. Oh, wow. Which I had never done. And, and I'll tell you, I'm more of a sax player than a musician, right? <laughs> so I'm not like some of these guys that knows all the different chord structures and all that. But it was kind of fun to get into that level uh, and, and uh, you know, to kind of play around with it and then once you were you got you arranged it you got to put put it in front of the band and they would actually play it oh so cool it kind of so we yeah had some fun with that. but my lasting memory of a of, of band was uh you know when when we're in uh, high school in the marching band my first experience there was the band director it seemed like for the first week uh every other every other day he would say tenors get out of pencil and he basically rewrote the trombone parts so that we were covering the trombones because we had terrible trombones, you know? Yes. So, you know, I, I, that's my lasting memory is that, you know, and I think I echo Don Fagan because I know for the longest time he didn't want to eat trombones. <laughs> it's really right. did, you know? And so when I, when I heard that story, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know? So, <laughs> so, uh, that, that, that was, that was my, uh, my background in music. <laughs> I have a very similar path. Um, so when I was in grade school, I started taking guitar because my sister played the guitar, who was you know a little bit older than me, and I just looked up to her, I guess. And I mean, not I guess, I did look up to her. But um, so third grade, you were allowed to take an instrument, and I took guitar for two years. Fifth grade comes around, and I'm bored. I'm not really into the guitar as much as I thought I was going to be. And uh, I think in the fifth grade, you could elect to start doing brass or woodwinds. Well, at the time, um, I was really into saxophone, so I was like, sax for sure. Obviously, they start you out on alto. Um, so I played alto in fifth grade, sixth grade. In sixth grade, they actually were in need of a few players for the junior high uh, marching band. So they pulled me into that um, because, you know, I guess I was good enough and, and they, they right. needed somebody. So I did that. Um, junior high, I was in marching band, stage band, jazz band, really enjoyed it. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned, you know, um, get your pencils out and, and changing the charts and, and giving you trombone parts because my band director was notorious for that. Um, we had a pretty good brass section, I have to uh -huh. say, um, and a couple of good friends of mine were the, the, the two uh, trumpet players, and they were phenomenal. But um, we were missing certain instruments because, you know, what kid wants to play oboe, right? So there were a few pieces where the band director was like, man, I'm really missing that oboe part. You know what? It's an E-flat. It matches up with the alto sax. Here, Sutton. And he throw a, <laughs> throw a piece of sheet music on my stand and go, play that. And I was really good at sight reading. Which I'm not anymore. I can't read music yeah. to save my life anymore. But yeah. um, you know, I guess when I was a kid, I was I was really good at it. So he would just throw stuff in front of me and say, "Hey, play this," and I'd play it. And he would say, "Okay, yeah, that's your part from now on." You know, I needed wow. that. I needed that counter melody or whatever it was in, in this piece. So did a lot of that. Um, got to play baritone sax on a few things because oh, we didn't wow. have a Barry. Yeah, okay. um, and it's funny because 
I remember this distinctly. There was a girl named Monica, and we were always fighting for first chair alto parts because oh, we were wow. both equally good players and, and mm -hmm. good readers. So when I started branching out and doing this other stuff, she was like, yes. <laughs> you know, because she got she got to be first chair and would have to fight me for it. So it was, it was pretty funny. Um, and then um, the, the I went to high school in Atlantic City in South right. Jersey. And Atlantic City High School's marching band, I don't know about nowadays, but, you know, in the 70s, the 80s, um, they were one of the, the top marching bands in the country. Wow. Like, they would travel all over the place and win all kinds of competitions and everything. But with that came grueling practice and preparation that I just wasn't ready for. So when I went into high school, you know, I met with the band director and he was like, you know, we'd love to have you join. And I was like, no, 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 thanks. <laughs> because yeah. I talked to a few kids that, that has sure. been in, into it. And um, sure. you had to be there like two hours before school started on weekdays. You had to give up weekends. You were always traveling. And, and they just said, you know, it's worth it. It's fun, but it's a lot of work. And I was just not prepared to do that. I guess I just kind of punked out. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of ended my saxophone yeah. career. We had a competitive band my first year, and you're right. I mean, we would do at least two hours of play and, uh, you know, during school hours. And then right after school, we'd practice for three hours a night. And so you weren't getting home until, you know, seven o'clock at night or whatever. And yeah. so, uh, and then, like you said, all Saturday and Sunday, normally you're on a bus going somewhere and, and playing for the games, but then you've got a competition in two hours, you know, three hours away or something, you know, so. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. It, it, that was big for a year, and then after that, um, we we just kind of pull, mostly pulled out of competition. So, uh, uh, but that's where we did the other stuff like jazz band and stuff like that. I really love jazz band. We played a lot of fun stuff, and the mm -hmm. cool thing was uh, for for the stage band portion, which was mostly all the same kids that were in jazz band. Um, the the director of that always tried to keep some current radio stuff in the mix so right. we did we played beat it by michael jackson you know i'm dating myself here where this is like 84 85 right so sure. we, did, we did beat it we did the theme from ghostbusters oh, uh, wow. we did she blinded me with science by thomas dolby which was was awesome yeah <laughs> we did a lot of really cool stuff so we do yeah. uh a little bit off topic here but do you do something called hurdles on uh online it's no. uh well, so so we'll have to talk about this offline, but I want oh. you threw that out there because you had um, uh, were mentioning a lot of eighty songs, and and so um, they have different genres and different decades and all this kind of stuff, and really, I think from the fifties to the present, uh, and, and that some of them were kind of cross genre, but um, but basically they'll play like a you know a one or like we say two seconds at a time of the song. And then the the trick is to try to ID the song as quickly right. as you know, so um, it, it's fun, but it's a lot more fun if you get other people to join you, sure. especially people that have kind of similar taste and similar you know experience, because um, you know that's that's where it it really kind of gets to be you know, competitive and and fun and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's spelled H E R H E A R D, yes. right? It's kind of like Wordle for yeah. I've seen it, I just haven't played it, but now I'm gonna have to go give it a whirl. Give it a check. So it's it's it, there's actually one that's called HurdleDecades.com. Okay, uh, like you said, spelled H E A R D L E, um, and that's the one. And then they've also got band specific. So if you're into, I know they've got some Duran Duran, they've got Queen, they've got. Uh, 
Oh, I can't, can't. I don't normally do the band specific ones because they really go into the deep cuts, you know. But uh, but they uh, the other ones that you know they'll have um, uh, like disco and they'll have uh, rock and uh, stuff like that. So you might you might enjoy that. Yeah, oh, thanks. I'll definitely have to check that out. And that's right up my alley. <laughs> Uh, my wife and I have been watching. It's kind of lame, but we've been doing the the new version of Name That Tune that's been on TV. Oh, I watched that a couple of years ago. I haven't seen it lately. How is that? It's okay. Um, the, I have to say the the band that they have um, that that plays all of the different music live is phenomenal. Like, there's nothing they can't cover that doesn't sound good and doesn't sound ninety wow. percent yeah. like the original song. So I'm wow. very impressed with that. Um, it's Jane Krakowski is hosting it. She's great. Okay. Um, yes. And I don't know if I had, I didn't watch it up until recently, and and I think I don't know if it's just this season or if it's been the, the the new reboot or whatever. But it seems like they're doing all celebrities, and they're playing for different charities. So, oh, okay, that's nice. which is great. Yeah, so it's fun because um, I'm a name guy. My my wife a lot of times will get stuff before I do, but she can't get to the name as quickly as I do. So she gets mad at me, yeah. and I get mad at her because she'll she'll know a song right away, and I'm like, hmm. like it took me a few extra notes to get that one, but. It's fun. It's fun. So I think Hurdle's going to be another another cool yeah, thing. Do it together. Yeah. You might have some fun with that. You know? Yeah, that's, for sure. That's, that's that's when it's really fun is when you're doing it with somebody else and it's like a little semi-competitive thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're very we're very competitive with each other. Cool. Um, so tell, let's talk a bit about Steely Dan um, because I think that was one of the first things that we connected uh, you know, on with Twitter. Um, I'm still making stupid memes, you know, a couple of week <laughs> at this point and, and posting them and it's fun. It's, it's gotten me more interaction on Twitter than I ever hoped to have. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's, it's this era of Twitter that, I, that I'm, you know, sort of having so much fun with because it would have been great. Yeah. But, um, I think, you know, you and I have connected on that and there's so many cool people on steely dan twitter that just posts you know trivia and fun stuff and pictures and you know what are some highlights and i guess you know tell me a bit about when you first started listening to them and and how you really got into them and you know how often do you listen to steely dan now (laughs) well yeah that's a that's a good uh you know that's a a lot of interesting uh elements to that um I, i think my first experience and uh, this will date me a little bit but when i was in college when asia came out and my roommate was a big album guy i wasn't um uh, i just didn't that wasn't just something i did you know but um but he he brought brought home or brought back the asia album and i think i wore that darn thing out it was just incredible and i i just couldn't get over every single track there and like i said i think a lot of it is that if you if you look at that album they got a lot of sax in there, you know, and, and for a guy, I was still playing back then. I was, I played in college for a little bit. And, and so, uh, so that was right up my alley. Um, there, you know, outside of Chicago and maybe some earth, wind and fire, you didn't really have a lot of, uh, popular music back then that emphasized the sax. Now going into the eighties, I think it got a little bit more popular, right? Yeah. You started hearing, a lot more songs that had saxes in them but um but back in the in the mid to late 70s it was mostly guitar oriented rock that's what they were playing and so sure. um you know thanks to, to donald and walter i rest in peace uh <laughs> you know they they saw fit to actually bring in 
uh, not just sax players, but I mean, highly accomplished jazz guys that, you know, had really terrific jobs and, and blend that into, um, you know, their popular music. And so, so that was something that really kind of pulled me in, um, and, and got me to be a hardcore, you know, uh, and hardcore listener of, of their music. I'll say, you know, and then, then of course it was like three years later and Gaucho came out and, and, you know, same, same thing. Uh, and then they took a hiatus for 20 years. <laughs> right. Nothing, right. It was just complete, you know, radio silence for 20 years. And, and, you know, that was tough because obviously back in that day, right. You listened to what was on the radio. I mean, that was, you know, you either got an album or you listen to what was on the radio, you know? Sure. So it was high. And obviously I, I had Asia and I had Gaucho and I was listening to them a lot, but you know, it's not the same if there's not, you know, new music kind of going in there. So I'll vividly remember, uh, I was at work one day and one of my coworkers said, well, I don't know how we got around it, but they were talking about Steely Dan. He said, well, you know, they just introduced the new album. Don't and I'm like, what? I I never I never knew. So it was like you know two against nature. I'm like, oh my god! And I literally left work, and I drove over to the uh, CD store, I guess at the time, right. and, uh, and you know, and bought the album. And I was so excited to put that thing in. And I have to tell you, I felt a little let down after I listened to it because I didn't really get it. You know, it wasn't yeah. what I was expecting or what I was hoping for. Time has kind of cured that to the point where now I enjoy it. But, you know, at the time it was kind of like, you know, this isn't what I was thinking it was going to be, you know, but, uh, yeah, so that, that was a little bit about my, you know, my history and my background in terms of, uh, listen, well, obviously I must listen to it, uh, somewhat, uh, because it's on my Spotify. Uh, and you know, I, I guess I, I, um, I, I guess how I consume music these days is, is a couple different ways. Um, I will set up. Uh, every year and I start over. So it's January and I'm, you know, I, I, my 2023 playlist was about 500 songs long. Wow. And how, and, but I started in January and uh, as I would hear new music or old favorites, I would just add it to the list and it just, you know, would, would grow. And so I'm kind of doing the same thing, throwing out 2023 and, and starting fresh. And so right now I don't, even though if there's any Steely Dan on there, but you know, it's sure. stuff that, that I've, I've heard that's new. That's like, Oh yeah, I want to capture that. I want to get that. Um, and then there will be times when I, you know, when you're in a certain mood or you're on a road trip or something like that. And so you'll just go in and you'll put in, Oh, okay, let me put in my Steely Dan playlist or my Chicago or my earth, wind and fire, whatever, you know, um, and, and kind of do it that way. So there's a couple different ways I do it, but but a lot of that happens to be, you know, it's like as you, you're kind of building this this list. And um, every year it seems to get longer. I think the 2022 one was maybe, I don't know, 300 songs. And, you know, so, so I don't have any idea what this year is going to gonna be. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a big list. Yeah, it sounds that way. I've been doing the same thing. So I, you know, I'll, I'll make playlists based on a mood or a band or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. But um, what I've been doing last couple of years is just sort of keeping a sort of holding tank playlist around. So like you're saying, as I, as I find new songs and somebody recommends something and I want to just bookmark it to go back and listen to later. Yeah. Um, if I hear something 
completely randomly in the grocery store, like, oh man, I haven't heard that song in 20 years. I'll make a note in my phone or just, you know, if I'm in Spotify anyway, I'll throw it in the playlist. And then um, when I get to about, I'm not doing it by year, but when I get to like 200, 250 songs, somewhere in that neighborhood, I'll, I'll cut it and start a new one. Um, I feel like that. This smart idea. I should probably do that because it does get a little unwieldy when yeah, they get longer. <laughs> for sure. That's why I started doing it. The, the first one that I built like that was, I think, five, six hundred songs, and I was like, I'm never going to get through this. So I tried to get back and listen to it. So, yeah, that, that's exactly the reason. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of funny um, that we we kind of do the same thing. And um, I was making playlists when I was doing I was doing all the music challenges on Twitter, and that's great, and that that was a fun community. But it just it started to feel almost like a chore to me to have to make these things, and and I was trying to stay in two, three, four a month because I didn't want to offend anybody and not do their challenge because I was being invited to all this stuff. It is. And it was like, it was a lot of fun, but I just had to kind of taper off. And um, I haven't done one. I think I did one maybe. Oh, I did the Christmas one with uh, Jim Bricker. He's, he's always does a a Christmas one. And that was easy because it was only 12 days and, you know, it was, it was a fun kind of theme, but um, yeah. So, and I kind of want to get back into that. Now that they have, uh, like you said, there's probably 15 or 20 of them going at any given time. And like you said, I trouble kind of doing it. So I'll, I'll look at them. Um, and, you know, if it looks like it's really real, there, there was one, oh, was the one? But some of them are really, really challenging. And, and uh, I don't normally have that much mental energy. You know, like I said, I'm not going to hear you. It's like days. It's like, right. You know, so. Or, yeah, but that's that, that's fun, and you know, it's it's. I, I I forgot that we we had both been doing that. I know that. I guess I was probably. I I would say probably for twenty three, I was maybe in on maybe half or two thirds of them. Um, I think probably the year before, I was in on most of them. You know, so yeah. Just like you, you, you kind of get to a point where you you have to kind of pull back a little bit, but. Yeah. One of the ones that was fun, and I don't know if anybody would resurrect it. I don't think I want to run it myself. Maybe, maybe, maybe at some point in the future, but it was the 30 Days, 30 DJs. I don't know if you were... No, I don't. Yeah. So it was every week, or was it every day? I think it was every day for the month. Um, somebody would be the DJ, and they had to pick one band and make a playlist of however many songs I did 30 to keep the theme, you know, 30, 30, 30. Right. Um, and sort of, you know, it was free form. There was like no real format to it, but it was just pick a band, turn everybody in, in the challenge onto that band. And, you know, if you want to don't just publish a playlist, but, you know, share pictures, share links, share articles, share memories, you yeah. know, wh- whatever it was. So I did one for Buffalo Tom, what? Um, which was really fun because right. I, I whip that playlist out all the time when somebody's like, Buffalo who? And I'm like, here, playlist, go, go listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll send you, I'll, I'll link the, the, the Buffalo Tom one in the show description, but I'll send it to you since, since you mentioned that you wanted to check them out. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I did was uh, Elizabeth and the Catapult which is not really a band. I think it started out as a band, but it's just a solo artist. Her name's Elizabeth Zyman. And and she's just amazing. Um, So I was trying to like, you know, bring awareness to some of these artists that people don't really usually know too much about. Um, So I thought that was kind of cool. That was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that is fun. And we'll have to think about that. Well, let me throw this out as an idea. So, um, I can't think of her name right off the top of the, but they they started one for uh, February 
that is a different instrument every day. Oh, well, supposedly. But what they did is the first week is like keyboard, the second week is guitar, the third week is percussion, and then everything else climbed in the fourth week. And so I said, <laughs> you know, and I said, Where, where's the sax week? And then, and then, and then mm-hmm. I thought about it and I said, you know, I bet you have a better plan. I bet, I bet the rest of the year. So starting in March, we're going to spend the whole rest of the year doing sax. And of course, she laughed. And you know, we so, so it was like one day was like all wind instruments or, or all maybe it's all reeds. So you know, Monday was brass and Tuesday was reeds and you know, whatever, something like that. I'm like, hmm, that's not going to work for me. But um, a couple of uh, I don't know that I did it quite as much last year because I was traveling a little bit. But in 22. The, so International Saxophone Day is on, don't quote me on this, it's something like November the 6th. And it corresponds with the birthday of Aldafa Sax, who was the inventor of the saxophone. Right. So what I did, considering it was like the 6th, and so it was just about the start of the month, is I said, okay, well, we're going to do an entire week for sax. But I should have involved, I should have involved you in it, because we could have had a boatload of fun. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. The first day I took it was all soprano, the second alto, the third tenor, the fourth Barry, and then I think I did, um, you know, maybe some genre specific. Oh, no, one one day was for, like, ensemble. So, it, you know, so you're going to feature when you've got, you know, uh, the, the entire sax section together um, and, and stuff like that. And, I, and then the last day was kind of freeform, you know, do whatever you want. So, so, but th- you know, that's the kind of thing that we could do sometime. We don't have to do it in November, but we could do something like that and have some fun with it. You know? Yeah, that would be cool. So, <laughs> love it. Any, anything to get more more sax out there. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. I, I still have my sax. <laughs> I, I have it. It's a little dusty. Um, yeah, I haven't played it in twenty years or more, but it's it's yeah. there. It's 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 in the house. So when my daughter, um, and, and this is one of my re- one of my regrets, you know, as a parent, you have to decide when to intercede. Like my dad, my dad definitely interceded and said, "This is not up to you. We are going to get you an instrument." And I, you know, I praise him every day for for that decision. It changed my life, literally. Well, so I kind of, you know, my daughter knew how important it was to me. So it wasn't an option for her, so she knew she was going to get an instrument. But when we went in for the the thing, instead of saying, I think she should have a sax, I just let the powers that be kind of work with her. And they gave her the different instruments, and they decided clarinet would be her instrument. And I I look back on that, I think, uh, you know, I probably should have interceded because I think she would have had a lot more fun um, if she had played the sax. So she played throughout high school and, and, you know, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and, and that's when I would get my horn out because she'd be like that. I just don't, you know, I can't get this part or whatever. And so I'd get my horn out. We'll play together, you know, the B flat clarinet, B flat tenor. And, and so at some, there were times when she wouldn't practice. She says, I'm not going to practice unless you get the horn out. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was kind of fun. And, you know, and, and that the other situation was a corporate, uh, thing in 1994. Um, it was for a centennial of, uh, my company and um and and which is headquartered in minneapolis and they put together a corporate marching band for a parade that happened to be uh going on um in july i think and we were we were going to be out there for some conference and so they they sent it out to you know i was i was still in delaware at the time and they they sent out and said hey you know if you want to play let us know and 
and we'll have an instrument for you. So they, they sent out the music and, and we got there and basically it was a one day gig, right? So we got there and, um, you know, we're there for the conference and then, and then I don't know what day it was or whatever, but we, we, you know, we, we literally got our instruments, um, you know, we didn't really have uniforms per se, like, you know, a typical marching band, but we had matching t-shirts and whatnot. And, and then we practiced and we practiced for like three, four hours. And then boom, we, we went out into the parade and there was about 400 people. It was the biggest band I was ever in. Oh, wow. Band, you know, and it was a bolt. Well, I gotta tell you, it was so much fun, you know. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. So, so that was, that kind of scratched my itch there. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. So, uh, one last topic before we wrap it up, because uh, you mentioned that you were going to see a, a concert. So why don't you tell me who you saw and you had a little story to go along with that. I'd love to hear more about it. Um, so, um, you know, uh, oh, by the way, are you going to be going to the uh, Steely Dan Eagles tour um, this year? Do you know? I'm not. I missed I missed my opportunity. They were in New York and New Jersey back in, oh, I think, yeah. December. And I just was on the fence, and tickets were so expensive. And, you know, I just – I'm kicking myself. I should have gone, but I couldn't justify spending all that money to see a 45-minute Greatest Hits set. The set's like about – I think it's like, like maybe 10 or 12 songs. It's yeah. Very- sad yeah so they're coming to chicago in about a month and i like said like you i'm kind of on the fence i don't have tickets yet uh i might but anyway there's a a a band out here in wisconsin um they uh the city of madison is located in dane county and so the name of the band is steely dane (laughs) and so they uh they're actually very very good um the members it's not a standing organization in other words they're all in different uh groups right they play in different groups and uh and whatnot but they get together several times a year i want to say several times a year i'm sure they practice a lot but um but they get together several times a year and then they'll go and and tour in different uh, locations throughout the state uh and what's what i think is awesome is that they they've built the band to almost exactly replicate the Steely Dan touring band. So they've mm. got the horn section, they've got the rhythm section, they've got uh, two keyboard guys, they've got two guitar players, and they've got the female backing singers, right? So they've got the whole thing. It's about 13, 14 uh, members total. And one of the guys apparently has that has done a phenomenal job of mimicking the arrangements. So the arrangements of the live Steely Dan music, you know, is... is a little different in many cases than the, the you know the charts that were on the albums mm-hmm. um and so th- this team or this guy i think has really done a phenomenal job of of mimicking very accurately and even some of the soloists like the guitar player in kid Charlemagne, and i mean he nails that larry carlton solo it's phenomenal uh and not not many guitar players i mean, it's, i i will say it's impossible to do because i've seen a lot of other guys cover it but it's still pretty talented for for a guy to be able to do that. Um, so anyway, so they they were um, uh, the weird story is, is that I was traveling and I was going to be flying back into uh, into Milwaukee um, about two weeks ago, and uh, they were playing the, the very next night. So I said, you know what, I'm getting my flights. I get into midnight. I'm just going to stay over. Uh, Milwaukee's about two hours from where I live. I'm going to stay over and I'm going to catch the show the next night. Um, so I was all set to do that. And then we get this horrific storm, you know, 
spell or <laughs> Blizzard conditions are awful. So they canceled the show and they they rescheduled it. And you know, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to drive now. Now I'm not sure. It's like on Thursday, and I'm not sure I'm going to drive down. But I saw that they were uh, playing up in Green Bay uh, just this last Saturday. So it's like that's a much 25 minute drive for me. You know, that's a slight piece of cake. So um, because I got tickets late. Because I was going to be doing the, the Milwaukee show, I I had to sit up way up in the balcony, you know, up pretty high. I'm like, that's fine. I, I don't care, you know. It's, I don't need to be right up front. But uh, so I, I'm like one of the first people there. That's just one of my uh, uh, fatal flaws as a human. I'm always early for a stout. So I'm one of the first people later, and the ushers like, you know, show me the seat, and you know, it's like, well, you know, you're, you're pretty far up, but it's actually pretty good sonically. That's where the sound goes, and I like sitting up there and da da da. Okay, that's fine. the The side benefit is that because it's kind of at the back of the group, um, you know, I could stand up, and the, and band starts playing, and I I need to move, I need to groove to the songs, and you know, when they're doing pretzel logic, I, that's a very you know drum driven track, and I'm go along with the drums, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, when they, 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 uh, kind of wrapped up the show with, um, Keith Charlemagne, which is just a phenomenal, you know, live one, Josie, which is, which is terrific. Uh, maybe one of my favorite songs. And then they did, uh, uh, Reel It in the Years, you know, and that's always one that kind of brings the house down. Well, as, as the wrap it up Reel It in the Years, I'm kind of nudging the guy next to me. And I said, my old school's going to be the, the encore. So, oh yeah, you're right there. I played that one. And so sure enough, they you know they 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 go into that. And in my old school, to me, it's either that or Kid Charlemagne for the encore. It's got to yep. be one of those two, and then I'm happy, right? So I'm up doing all this stuff and really getting into the music, and it, you know half of the crowd is kind of sitting on their hands and you know whatever. Uh, so not not everybody is quite as exuberant as I am, you know. And so uh, when the concert ends, you know. We're filing out, and I'm one of the last people out because I'm sitting way up high, and uh, you know I'm kind of starting to get to the exit, and I hear, "Sir, sir, excuse me, uh, sir," and and I'm like, "Shit, you know this could be could be bad," you know. I, so I just kept walking with like maybe he's not talking to me, and he's like, "Sir, sir," you know, I need to talk. So I, you know, and it was the usher. And we're like, oh, I'm going to get kicked out, or they're going to say somebody complained about you know what I was doing, or you know. Invited not to come back. <laughs> One of these things, you know, like, oh, uh, geez. And uh, the guy says, I just want to tell you, you know, I was really thrilled to see that you got so much excitement out of the cell. <laughs> so we talked for about 10 minutes and he's he's seen, you know, the, the same band uh, when they've cycled around some of the other venues and all that kind of stuff. So we had that co- that kind of commonality. But I was like, boy, I dodged a bullet there. That's <laughs> why well, I got kicked out. So, uh <laughs> Well, so, nice. so Dad, if we're ever at a concert and you see some goofball up in the back, you know, just going crazy, it's it's probably me. You can like pretend you don't ignore me. But <laughs> you don't know me, you know. And, and I'll be cool with that. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be in the back giving you the high sign. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like I see you. That's awesome. Well, great. Anything else you wanted to cover? Anything you wanted to bring up or talk about? I, you know, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of your series. And, you know, like I said, hopefully we can connect on some other projects as we go forward. Uh, like I said, there's always new stuff that comes out. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we're, um, my partner and I are, are in the midst of negotiating. And by that, I mean, I'm 
suggesting, and she's giving me all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. But um, you know, last year we did a um, we did a uh, um, uh, you know a, a program for, with different artists, uh, and so we're thinking about you know doing the same thing again, but but again with other uh, other groups. So you know, do any of these names uh, sound familiar to you? Uh, average white band. Oh yeah, um, Hall and Oates, uh, Doobies, Michael McDonald, uh, and you know maybe maybe some other ones in here that are less familiar. Johnny hates jazz. Uh, oh, I know Johnny hates jazz. Oh, we might do Wang Chung, Tears for Fears, uh, stuff like that. So I, that's kind of what we're thinking. We you know we've got the kind of some of the the base basics on there, but we'll we'll let you know. And if we're if we're gonna do that, we'll let you know. We're still, like I said, we're still negotiating, and we don't know the what, when, how, how, and and whatnot. But it was kind of fun last year, and we might we might continue doing it again. That sounds great, and I, I, I heartily maybe you know in light of tonight's conversation, maybe we're gonna have to add in the Marvelous Three and uh, Buffalo Tom. <laughs> I was just gonna that? say I heartily vote for Average White Band, one of my favorites, and. <gasps> They don't get as much love anymore. I mean, you know, old guys like us, I'm sure, but the the, the kids, I don't think, know them as much. So maybe it's time to do some, some re-education, you know? Yep. Another good sax-oriented group. In, in, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> great. Well, Dave, thanks for being here. Appreciate you coming on, and it's great talking to you. Have and a great evening. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Aural Mess. The video version, along with a playlist for each episode, is available on YouTube, and you can visit our website at auralmess.com. Until next time, this is Chad, signing off. Hey.